Happy Lord's Day. I was, uh, I was a little nervous, and I was secretly hoping not that many people would come, but uh, I'm glad you're all here. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Leviticus 19, chapter 19, verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black copy, uh, hard copy Bible underneath the chairs in front of you to use for tonight. And the text can be found in page 102 in the black hard copy. If this is your first time reading the Bible, the big number is the chapter number, and the small number is the verse. So Leviticus 19, verse 18. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> All right, let's pray. Lord, give us the eyes and the ears to see and hear your word. Soften and humble our hearts to see where we can grow in loving our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I've been attending BBC for about two years now. Um, and in that time, I've also seen many new members join. When you first join a church, very similar to romantic relationships, um, you go through a honeymoon phase. This is a time when you're getting to know one another and you're enjoying one another's company. There's a sense of peace and harmony among one another. But as Peter talked about in his message this morning, eventually we will sin against one another as we learn to love one another. It's only natural since we're all sinful people. If you're familiar with the Bible or been attending church gatherings for a while now, you've probably um, heard the phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. Plenty of times. It's mentioned both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But what does that mean? What does that really mean? And so a question I want us to think about and answer is this. What does it look like to love our neighbor, including someone who sinned against us, as ourselves? And so my main goal for us tonight is to delight in the love of God so that we are drawn to imitate him when loving others. For us to delight in the love of God so that we are drawn to imitate him when loving others. Before we dive into our passage, a little background on Leviticus. Um, throughout the book of Leviticus, you'll see a constant display of God's holiness and how that pertains to the nation of Israel. Israel was to be set apart from other nations, um, from other nations. Chapter 19 starts off by the Lord speaking to Moses, saying, speak to the entire Israelite community, and tell them, be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. In this chapter, you'll see a variety of moral laws, many of which are the Ten Commandments, prohibitions of, on idols, stealing, bearing false witness, honoring one's mother and father. And then we see verse 18, where it talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. But before that, it's important to read and meditate on verse 17, because God first addresses our heart. Verse 17 says, Do not harbor hatred against your brother. The ESV translation says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. So holiness is not just our outwardly conduct, but it also extends to our inner thoughts, our emotions, and the intents of our hearts. 
You can be polite, you can be civil, and be around someone, all at the same time harboring hatreds towards them in your heart. So this shows us that God cares as much with um, how you think and feel as with what you say and what you do. So how do we, how do we not harbor hatred towards them? Verse 17 continues saying, rebuke your neighbor directly and you will not incur guilt because of him. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. When someone sins against us, our natural tendency is um, to pursue convenience and comfort. It's easier for us to ignore the situation or create this false sense of peace. It's easier for us to gossip with others rather than going to that person directly. Oftentimes, the lack of confronting sin leads to other sins, as we see in verse 18. It can lead us to subtly finding way, little ways to get back at them. Maybe you don't invite them to certain um, hangouts because you know it'll make them feel left out. Maybe you purposely treat them differently than you would another person. You treat them partially. And over time, as you continue to leave the sin unaddressed, you begin to hold a grudge. You hold it against them for a long period of time. Brothers and sisters, it's a good time to take a moment to check your heart for any hatred or grudges towards anybody. Because we as Christians have a responsibility to those who have wronged us. God commands us to not build up hate in our hearts towards them, to not take revenge against them, to not hold a grudge against them. Rather, we are to reason with them or rebuke them. We are to care for them. We are to love them. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when reading verse 18, I had two questions in mind. The first one is, who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? So when you think of your neighbor, who is that? Is it the person that lives right next to me? Is it the person that lives right next to you, like physically? Is, it my, is my neighbor just fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Is it just people here within BBC? Well, Leviticus 19.33 helps answer that. It says, when an alien or someone who's not Israelite resides with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You will regard the alien who resides with you as a native born among you. You are to love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. Jesus also answers this question when asked by a scribe in Luke chapter 10. When he asks, who is my neighbor? He's trying to trick him. So Jesus responds with the parable of the good Samaritan. Essentially, your neighbor, my neighbor, is not restricted to any relation, proximity, or shared beliefs. It's merely a demonstration of the love of God to all in need, whomever or wherever they are. This includes those who have hurt and sinned against you. The second question I had was the question I mentioned in the beginning of my message. What does it look like to love your neighbor, including those who have sinned against you as yourself? So think about how you love and take care of yourself. You actively seek to make sure that you're fed when you're hungry, you're clothed, 
you have a roof over your head, you actively make sure that your needs are met. To love others as yourself essentially means you tend to their well-being, whether it's their physical needs, whether it's their emotional needs, whether it's their financial needs, whether it's their spiritual needs. And Peter, again, encouraged us earlier this morning to observe one another, to listen to one another so that we can learn how to love one another. You need to be involved in people's lives in order to know how to tend to their well-being. Since being part of this church, I've been really encouraged um, by our love for one another. We engage one another. We pray for one another. We read the Bible with one another. We rejoice with others. We lament with one another. We have meal trains for those who are in need. Of course, our love for one another has not been perfect, but generally I, I think that we've done a great job at loving one another. Again, we're not called to do these things just with the people here at BBC. So look for ways that you could do this with your next-door neighbor, your coworkers, your family, your classmates. Now let me throw a little curveball, because it's much easier to love someone when they're lovable. It's much easier to love a friend or a close one. It's not an inconvenience to you. Loving someone who's hurt you or has sinned against you, however, it's not natural. It's not in our nature. It takes knowing and experiencing a supernatural love, type of love, in order to love your neighbor that's wronged you. So where does the supernatural love come from? 1 John 4, 19 tells us that we love because he first loved us. The ability to love our enemies, those who wronged us, comes from the experience that we, who were God's enemies, were so loved. This morning's passage, 1 John 3, 16, it says, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. Christ did not come down to save lovable people. He came down to save sinners. Romans 5, 6 tells us, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us, his enemies. We were not friends of God. Jesus loved those who sinned against him, those who mocked him, those who nailed him on a cross even though he was innocent. We can only love because he first loved us. He showed us how to love our enemies. He showed us how it feels as enemies to be loved. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you might be examining yourself and hopefully realize that you've fallen short of not loving your neighbor just as we all have. And for my fellow brothers and sisters, you might also be examining yourself and feeling guilty of not loving your neighbor well, or as you ought to. The gospel addresses both of you differently, of course, so let me address those who are not Christian first. 
This passage should show you that you've fallen short of the glory of God, the perfect standard of God, because at some point you have failed to love your neighbor as you ought to, as yourself. Not just you, like I said, but all of us, every single one of us in this room. And when we sin against God, unlike us, he does not leave it unundressed. unundressed. The Bible tells us that the wages of our sin is death. It's an everlasting death in the lake of fire. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It doesn't end there. Gospel means the good news. But the good news is that God offers salvation through his son, Jesus. Jesus came down on this earth, lived the perfect and holy life that you and I could not live. He loved his neighbor perfectly. And then he died on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sin and my sins. And on the third day, God rose him up from the dead to show that sin and and death was defeated so that whoever places their trust in the finished work of Jesus will be made right with God and have eternal life in heaven. Now to the Christian who is feeling guilty for not loving their neighbor. The gospel speaks to you too. It addresses you too. Peter reminded and encouraged us with Romans 8 this morning that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice was for all your sins, including not loving your neighbor, whether it was yesterday, today, tomorrow. And the beauty of the gospel is that because we're forgiven of our sins, because because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can now freely love our neighbor. The burden of being their savior no longer falls within us. It allows us to just freely love them in the way that God has loved us. We can freely strive to love them, and when we fail, we will fail. We repent and continue to try to love them as, as, as ourselves, just as God has loved us. Let us pray. Father, I pray that we delight in your love for us so that we are drawn to imitate the same love towards our neighbors. Help us to repent from any hatred towards others. Give us the sense of urgency to reconcile if needed. Enable us to observe those around us who are in need and and help us to proactively love them just as you have commanded us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.